Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour One. Hello, America. How are you? It's Eric Erickson here. The phone number, you want to be on the program, 877-973-7425. Goodness gracious, uh, they really do hate us, don't they? Um... So I I, got to step back, actually, and I got to go to those of you in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My apologies. I realized I never went back to the story because I was supposed to. And then we had that that technical malfunction where the day it happened, my microphone broke and we had to run to a best of show. But, you know, uh, the Medicare Medicaid services caved on St. Francis Hospital in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That was the story where because they run a perpetual flame in their chapel, uh, Medicare Medicaid services said they were going to decertify the hospital, which would essentially shut it down. And the Medicare Medicaid services have caved on that issue. And I just – the reason I thought about it is because now I've got to revisit a story I visited yesterday because now the story has changed. I thought, you know what? I never did go back and, and, and say that. So my apologies. I had several people reach out to me from Tulsa and say, hey, this change, will you talk about it? And I was going to talk about it. And I had all set up to do my show remotely and everything worked, except no one tested the microphone. And that's my fault. I didn't test it. And the microphone was dead as a doornail, um, prompting a best of, uh, which, which anyway. Um, so now I've got to revisit a story from yesterday because I mentioned to you that the Dodgers are doing a pride event. And at the Pride event, they had invited the Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Um, This is a group that engages in mockery of Catholics and Catholicism. It's a group of men who pretend to be women, and they dress up in caricatures of nuns and engage in sex acts, among other things. Um... I can't actually talk about all the things that they do. Well, the Catholic community in Los Angeles was pretty upset about this. This isn't just and, – and you need to understand this. This group is not a, drew, a group of drag performers who just happen to dress as nuns. This is a group of people who protest the Catholic Church, who engage in sacrilegious acts with symbols of the Catholic Church – and are clearly anti-religious bigots. If these individuals dressed up in drag claiming to be the prophetess Muhammad and did sacrilegious things with Islamic symbols, there's no way in hell the Dodgers would invite these people. But this is a group of drag and trans nuns who engage in sacrilegious activities with symbols of the Catholic Church from the Eucharist to the cross, and they were going to be honored by the Dodgers. So the Dodgers walked it back. Well, there was a huge bullying campaign by the Alphabet Gang overnight, and now the Dodgers have walked back their walk back, and the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are going to be honored by the Dodgers, who, by the way, are in Atlanta tonight. I'll be going to boo the Dodgers and cheer on the Braves tonight. Um, This is from Tim Carney at the uh, Washington Examiner. Consider the Los Angeles Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. This is a group that proudly flies the 
flies the pride flag on his homepage, along with the hundred images and declarations that, along with their name, are a blatant mockery of Catholicism and women, particularly nuns and other religious sisters. This is a group of men who pretend to be women and dress up in vulgar, garish caricatures of religious sisters. Why do I mention this depraved group of men whose organizing principle is to mock a major religion in a sexualized and misogynistic way and to proudly bear the pride flag while they do it? I do not think that all or even most groups marching under the pride flag bear such hatred towards my religion. Tim is a devout Catholic. But this anti-Catholic group is very notable because when the Dodgers are having Pride Night next month, they're honoring the drag nuns of Los Angeles. The Los Angeles chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence will receive this year's Community Hero Award for the countless hours of community service, ministry, and outreach to those on the edges and in addition to promoting human rights and respect for diversity and spiritual enlightenment. As the Dodgers VP Eric Braverman explains, showcasing anti-Catholic bigotry is an effort to knock down barriers and foster an atmosphere of acceptance for all. Now, you see why the anodyne statements of acceptance and tolerance strike so many of us as deceptive cover stories. When the Los Angeles Dodgers talk about acceptance and fly the, fly the pride flag, they're not being pluralistic, but are flying their own religious symbol. The L.A. drag nuns see themselves as crusaders in a religious war, and the Dodgers have taken the side of the rainbow religion against the Christian religion. Uh, you know, as an aside, I have a friend of mine who's a pastor who says the rainbow flag is the mark of the beast. Uh, I'm having a harder and harder time explaining why it's not. So here's what you need to understand, and this is, this is from Marco Rubio. The Los Angeles chapter of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence self-describe themselves as an order of queer and trans nuns that mock and degrade Christians. They were founded on Easter Sunday, 1979. The sisters are men who dress in lewd imitations of Roman Catholic nuns. The group's motto, go and sin some more, is a perversion of Jesus's command to go and sin no more. The group's Easter ceremony features children's programming followed by a drag show where adult performers dress in blasphemous imitations of Jesus and Mary. The group hosts pub crawls mocking the Stations of the Cross and even the Eucharist, the sacrament that unites a billion Catholics around the world. Now again, just, just ask yourself, just ask yourself, if there was a imams of perpetual indulgence that blasphemed Islam and it was men who dressed up as gay Muhammads and embraced sexual indulgence mocking Islam and did all the things this group does to advance diversity and tolerance. Do you think the Dodgers would honor them? If you say, of course not, then how can you justify the Dodgers honoring this group, doing it to the Catholic Church, a communion of over one billion believers on planet Earth? There are more Catholics than there are gay people on the planet. Some of you can say, well, there are gay Catholics. Yes, there are. But concurrent to that, do those gay Catholics mock the symbols of the church? Do they blaspheme the church? 
do they engage in lewd acts with the Eucharist that Catholics believe is literally the body and blood of Christ? You as a Protestant or a non-believer listening to this, you may not be Catholic. You you may think Catholics are, are not really Christians. I Listen, I live in the South. I know a, a, a number of my friends who have questions about Catholicism. I, I don't. They do, including relatives of mine who I'm sure will send me text messages about how Catholics aren't really Christians and don't really know a lot of Catholics. I can assure you all of my Catholic friends are very devout Christians. But let, let's say you disagree. Ask yourself again. Would the Dodgers be honoring this group if it did the same thing to Islam? No. No, it would not. You and I both know it would not, partly because there would be bounties on their head, but the Catholics aren't going to go chop off anybody's heads. So they'll do it to the Catholics because they're not really brave. This isn't about bravery. This isn't about standing up for anything. This is about insulting a billion Catholics on the planet. There are plenty of... of Gay groups and transgender groups, the Dodgers could honor. They have explicitly chosen to honor a group that blasphemes and engages in sacrilegious acts against the Catholic Church. The Dodgers made a choice. And it's not just the Dodgers. My family tends to shop at Target, not Walmart, and that is probably going to have to change. As we head towards Pride coming before the fall month, Target has hired a clothing manufacturer that celebrates Satanism to make its pride clothing for kids. They're making tuck-friendly swimsuits for children whose parents have pushed them to be trans. And notice my phrasing there, children whose parents have pushed them to be trans. Oh, you think you're a tomboy. No, really, you're actually a boy. We should we should get you on testosterone. Oh, you're slightly effeminate. No, really, you're a girl. We should we should chop off parts of your body and and put you on puberty blockers. That it, it it's it's moms with Karen haircuts keep doing this to their kids, and now Target is celebrating it all, and they've hired a group that celebrates Satan to do it. I I gotta tell you, I think it's a perfect fit. To be honest with you, the way all of this is headed. I mean, it is a war against Christendom. Now, I got to tell you, I, I, I lost the opportunity to pick up some radio stations because they say I talk about God on the radio. Uh, not not making that up. And you, you can see this tie-in here, this growing hostility to people of faith around the world, uh, particularly in Christendom. As Pride Month comes, uh, this really is a religion rearing its head. This really is a religious manifestation, a hostility to the Chris, Christian faith. They're, they're not targeting Muslims. They're not targeting Buddhists. They're targeting Christians. Target has chosen to manufacture clothes to celebrate Pride Month with a group that celebrates Satan. That's a little on the nose if ever there was one. I mean, so so you've got you've got the Dodgers celebrating a group that commits sacrilegious acts with symbols of Christianity. And you've got Target hiring Satanists to make clothes to celebrate pride. They're really telling us who they hate. And it turns out who they hate is you. But please still send them money. 
Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here. Yes, you can be on the show, 877-973-7425. One of the notable things about this culture war that we are in, uh, brought on by left-wing antagonism towards people of faith, is the Biden administration has picked a side on this. And they are picking the side of the pagans. They, they are picking the side of the people who hate people of faith. Now, listen, listen, uh, those of you who consider yourselves fair-minded and tolerant, who you're not within uh, a, a, an organized religion, you don't like organized religion, but you consider yourself fair-minded. Uh, just again, going to the Dodgers situation, ask yourself if they would do this to Islam. You cannot look yourself in the mirror and have a straight face and say, yes, they would. You and I know they wouldn't. So why is it acceptable to do it to Christians? Other than the Christians aren't going to kill you for doing it. If you're a tolerant, fair-minded person, not a liberal who pretends to be tolerant and really isn't, but an actual tolerant, fair-minded, moderate, middle-of-the-road person. I think you got to recognize that honoring a group that performs sacrilegious acts with symbols of the Catholic Church is not actually supporting tolerance. It's supporting religious bigotry. It is supporting religion a religion hostile to people of faith. And as for Target, we've all come to embrace, well, not really embrace, just accept the idea that June, every corporation in America is going to put a rainbow symbol on their social media feed and declare themselves pro-gay. We, we, we get that, whether, whether we are or not. In the next week, many of you are going to get emails from your corporations encouraging you to participate in pride events and, and parades and the like. We, we accept that. We know it's going to happen. We live in a pluralistic society. But Target actively chose a company that promotes Satanism. Satan, just so you know, is not just within Christianity and Judaism, but also Islam. Satan is the bad guy. In the three world major religions, Satan is the bad guy. And Target has chosen a company that celebrates Satan to make their pride clothes. You think that's normal? That's normal behavior? I mean, talk about an overplayed hand here. Now, to the phone, Susan, you're going to be up first today. Welcome. Hey. Um, so I walked into Target uh, just last week, and I was waiting for an oil change. So I walked over there and was, like, angry, depressed. I don't know how to describe all my feelings because right there, past their little dollar spot, were all the T-shirts and things in the junior section where my daughter would go and pick out clothes with, you know, things on it about transgenderism is here to stay or trans people will always be around um, the rainbow flag right there in your face. And I had to walk out of the store because I just felt my feelings getting all riled up. And I, I walked, I walked to the customer service desk and I said, can I have a phone number for your corporate office? And they said, is there anything we can help you with? And I said, probably not. Um, it's not your fault. I think this is coming from corporate, but I'd like a phone number. And they said, well, really, we'd like to know what your problem is. 
And I said, well, I'd still like the phone number, but I just don't like how um, there's all this propaganda right here in the front of the store that goes against everything I believe in. And it's being pushed in my children's faces, too. And so they gave me the number. I called the number. I said a little prayer first because I want to be a peacemaker in this world. And, um, you know, I explained my feelings. And the guy on the other end was very sympathetic. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he agreed. He said, it's a shame what's happening in our country. We're losing this culture war. He said, I'm with you. And I don't blame you at all for wanting to go shop at Walmart now. And um, I, I don't know if Target will change, but I thought, gosh, if I just bonded with one guy yeah. across the phone lines in Minneapolis, you know, where they're headquartered, at least he knows that there is some lady out there in Georgia that thinks like him. Right. That, you know, feels like the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And I think we, we just need to speak up more. There's yeah. a way to do it. You can call in. You can be nice. You can be a peacemaker. You can express your views in a, a charitable, Christ-like way. That's what he would do. Yeah. But we got to do it. You're right. Susan, thank you very much for that. You're absolutely right. I now we'll get back to this, but first I got to tell you about the Eden Pure Thunderstorm because we're headed to commercial break. And uh, this is where I do the commercial, the, the three pack for the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. If you go to EdenPureDeals.com today and you put in Eric, E R I C K, you can get three of them for less than $200. You're saving $200. You get free shipping. It's EdenPureDeals.com. And if you don't know what it is, it's an air purifier. Maybe we need to run them through the targets and and clean out the air there. Smells like sulfur and brimstone, undoubtedly. Uh, You wipe out the odors. It's an odor eliminator. I travel with mine. You can get three of them, one for upstairs, one for downstairs, one for your basement or your RV, wherever you need them. You go to EdenPureDeals.com, EdenPureDeals.com, and you put in the discount code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, right there on the front page of the site. Hello there. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation from my flagship station in WSB in Atlanta, Georgia. And I'm actually in studio today. I missed the view out my window, but I get to be here with Jim. Now, I want you to be aware of something. On Thursday, uh, we are expecting a, a bit of an exclusive conversation with the next person potentially potentially getting into the race for president. And in the run-up to that, uh, there are more and more members of Congress who are coming out to support that person. One of them happens to be a all-around good guy and friend of mine who gave me a knife that now my son runs around the house with and says, that's not a knife, this is a knife, happens to be Congressman Rich McCormick, who joins me by phone. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm not sure you should say on the air that your son runs around the house with a K-bar Marine Corps fighting that. Not good parenting. Listen, okay, so not only that, but my wife has now got him like a dummy butterfly knife to practice with, so it doesn't have a blade in it. It's got the weight of the blade, and so now he's practicing flinging it around like he's going to be some like sort of knife-wielding martial arts expert. I'm like, kid, you're like really pasty white and half Swedish. This doesn't work. (laughs) <laughs> at least you know yeah at least you're letting your kid be a kid yeah and, and that's important uh, i mean i i will say that too many parents don't let their kids take any chances and they lose that ability to thrive when when they end up in nature yeah that 
That's true. Although my kid, like nature for him is going to the bathroom. He's not really an outdoor kid because there are mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's not why you're here, though. So uh, my understanding, I, I, I was I was given, and I'll talk about this in, in the next hour some, uh, there is a Fox News report out that about 100 members of the Trump administration are going to come out and endorse uh, Governor DeSantis when he announces later this week, but also a number of members of Congress, including you. Indeed. Uh, I think this is the right time to get involved, get involved early to make a statement for a guy who I think uh, has the right conservative credentials, who's done what he said he was going to do in Florida, who stood up for the right things and and, uh, been bold, but at the same time is a guy who could allow the party to grow, uh, allow us to attract some youth and uh, attract some people that, some soccer moms, some people that that maybe have been turned off by rhetoric and alienated in some way, shape, or form. Uh, Somebody who allows us to disagree a little bit and gives us wiggle room inside the conservative party to grow as a party and to maintain the House uh, majority, quite frankly, because the top of the ticket is going to affect uh, the Senate, the House, and our ability to govern into the future. Boy, we have seen that for sure. So, I, I mean, let, let me just just tangentially pivot here before we get back to this one. So you're, you're, this is your first time in the House, and it's got to be kind of a wild ride because when I talk to some of my friends who are there who have been there with larger majorities or in the minorities, this five-seat majority is different from anything it seems like anyone has ever experienced on the Republican side. You are so right. Uh, the very ex- <laughs> the coolest thing about this is I have members that have been here for 20 years, uh, some of them 40 years, uh, who said that the reason they joined Congress is for what we're getting done this year for the first time in their career. Uh, most people don't realize that 70% of the Republican Party is new in the last six years. And this Congress is the most effective Congress they've seen in at least a couple decades, really doing the things we said we're going to do, understanding that we still have an uphill climb against the Senate and against the president, but we are fulfilling our part, and that is not easy to do with a narrow majority. And for those people who doubted uh, McCarthy being able to be an effective leader, I think uh, he has shown that he is very savvy. And all the things that I talked to about to uh, Thomas Massey, Kevin Hearn, uh, Jim Jordan, all the things that they predicted uh, and us being able to come together as a party uh, has been very much predicted uh, in the right way. And, and I think this is one of the best Congresses we had in a long time. Yeah, you know, I got to say, I'm, I'm one of those people who is uh, McCarthy skeptical, and I've been impressed with his ability to work with the various coalitions of the Republicans to get everybody to the table and come up with a plan that everybody can agree on, where no one, no group is getting a lot, but every group is getting something to advance the ball in our direction. And that is leadership, uh, indeed. As a matter of fact, Massey famously led the revolt against Boehner. And he told me when I was, I was talking to him about it, because I, I was struggling over who we wanted as a leader and, and what we we're going to do uh, as we move forward and fought this fight <laughs> 15 times. Uh, <laughs> he said, sometimes you can get a more conservative leader that's a worse leader. In other words, it, it is about being able to bring together people that don't always think alike. And I think that's what Reagan did a really good job of, too, is, is understanding that we can all – nobody has a cornerstone of conservatism. Not one person defines this movement. As a matter of fact, that's one thing I despise when uh, somebody says, because you don't agree exactly with me, you can't be in this party. It's like somebody who in the church says, because you don't agree with me on everything in the Bible, you can't be in this church. We're not a cult. And it's important to embrace each other and give it a little bit of grace as long as we're moving the same direction together. 
Amen to that. So now let's let's pivot back to DeSantis. We have had this wild ride in the Republican Party for the last really six to eight years where it's either you're all on the team or you're all off the team. There, there really isn't a lot of use, it seems like, in, in the party for uh, people who they're on the team, but they don't go all the way. And, and it, that seems to be one of the things that has hurt us is, is this inability to find common ground with each other on the things we agree on. And, and DeSantis, it seems like in Florida, despite what you hear in the media, has been able to pull that off. He really has. If you think about the narrow uh, vote win that he had in the first election and then winning by almost 20 points the second time around, uh, it cracks me up when certain people in the party who ironically are not conservatives but that are on one bandwagon or another, and they like to call myself or DeSantis a rhino, which which I think is hilarious. I'm one of the most conservative voters in Congress, and DeSantis has been nothing but conservative. Uh, it's funny how many people in the in the party literally, if you don't believe what they believe, they just call you names, which is exactly what we criticize the Democrats for doing. When when you uh, when any time I disagree with you, you're you're a racist, you're a misogynist. Uh, well, you're a rhino. You know, this is name calling is not helpful to actually having a good discussion about things that can move the ball forward in this party and then for this country. Okay, so speaking of name calling, uh, one of those th- names that you get called is Marine. <laughs> um, I, and I want to ask you about, about uh, the, the national security and foreign policy from that that perspective, because uh, you and I tend to line up uh, on the same way on the Ukraine situation. And uh, I know Dan Crenshaw the other day made a comment that it seems like Joe Biden has been leading from behind in uh, the Ukrainians constantly have to prove that they're worth giving things to and are worth support. And yet the situation there. There are more and more reports they're running out of armaments, but also we're running out of armaments giving them arms, and we have this real national security problem on our hands where we need to help them, but also we need weapons ourselves, and our supply chain seems to be broken on that front. Well, this is because Joe Biden's been nothing but reactionary. As a matter of fact, his original solution to the Ukraine crisis was Zelensky, come to America and we'll protect you over here, Uh, and Zelensky slightly turned him down and said, no, I'm here to fight with my people. If he would have left Ukraine, that war would have been over in less than a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'd be now maybe talking about Latvia, Estonia, Moldova. Uh, it, it would be a totally different discussion, and we'd have a totally different crisis. We'd have the largest land mass in Europe would now belong to, uh, uh, to Russia now, and they'd be building the old USSR, which Putin said he wanted to do. Um, the fact of the matter is that they've been highly successful with the munitions and the uh, weapons that we've given them. They've literally taken out about 50 percent of the Russian uh, armor. Uh, they've killed over 100,000 Russians. They, they uh, have effectively had a five-to-one kill ratio, much like the Finns did in the Winter War. Uh, if people remember when the Finland was invaded by Russia uh, and they were able to fight them back with less technology, less manpower, and be very successful when you're fighting for your homeland. Uh, I agree with Dan Crenshaw is that we're kind of a little bit too late, uh, a little bit little, too little. Uh, I know a lot of people are concerned about the accountability of these weapon systems and, and do we have good transparency? Is this a never-ending war? Is this a blank check? Of course not. But quite frankly, we have more accountability. I've been over there in person, met with Lancy, met with their minister of defense, met with their minister of logistics, watched the 101st and 10th Mountain as they turned over and how they transfer munitions to the front line. And we have more accountability 
to this country than we ever did to Afghanistan, probably better, quite frankly, than any other country we give aid to at this point. And you can see the real effect of that downrange. Now, the question you had about uh, the supply chain is real. Uh, I think we are America, though we literally went from zero to cranking out one battleship a day during World War II. We are a country of great resources when we put our mind to it. We just have to make our mind up and get to work. Yeah, and that seems to be the problem here. The, the, so I'm reading about the debt ceiling talks, and Biden wants freezes across the board. And our side, rightly, I think, is saying, no, no, we've got to increase defense spending. There's been this constant hostility towards defense spending. And, I mean, it, the Wall Street Journal just yesterday had this big report that we've now created a lot of monopolist weapons manufacturers where we used to have multiple different manufacturers. For example, the Stinger missile, we only have one now with one supply chain. You take out that supply chain, you take out the Stinger missile. It, it seems like we need to be increasing competition among our weapons manufacturers. And and I think it can happen naturally. Uh, there's a guy named Palmer Lucky who uh, – uh, is a creative genius. He's a guy who invented Oculus. He's a 30-something-year-old billionaire who does his own R&D and off-the-shelf ready electric weapons like like uh, literally unmanned submarines and, and unmanned drones that, that are phenomenal. I think that's the way of the future, but you, you do realize that these big manufacturers spend about five years in R&D, five years in incorporation, and 20 years in sustainment. That model may eventually go the way of the dodo. I think that the more we unleash uh, industry to do the things they need to do to come up with the next solution rather than something that's canned, uh, the better off we'll be. But that's going to take a long time for something so large to try, just like healthcare or anything else that's, mm-hmm. that's a massive amount of spending. We kind of get in our ruts and, and we have to think in the, innovatively into the future. But we can do it. We, we've been there before. We've had great creativity. Uh, especially during times of stress and war like World War II, where we've shown what America can do when you take the cuffs off. Now, let's go full circle on this. Uh, back to you. You're, you're endorsing Ron DeSantis, not yet announced for president. Um, obviously, all signs point to that coming up. Lots of media speculation about it probably happening this week. If you could tell the American people, what do you think you get different from him compared to any of the other bajillion Republican candidates or, or Joe Biden? What stands out? If you look at what he's done in Florida, and that's really all we have to judge with him uh, in the last four years plus, uh, what he did to keep his economy over, much like Governor Kemp did in Georgia, uh, you know, free business owners to kind of make their own decisions to protect educational opportunities. I'd say he, he's one of the leading people in the nation for education choice. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what made him win this first election, bringing some of those swing voters over from the Democrat Party that really are attracted to being able to control their children's education, to give them opportunities that otherwise they would not have. As somebody who's grown their economy, somebody who's attracted people from all over the United States, you can see that the uh, California, for the first time in history, has shrunk by over 2 million net. Now, that includes all their illegal immigration uh, folks that came in there that they were able to count in the census. They still shrunk by 2 million, dollars. They sh- two million people. They should have lost two seats. Uh, both uh, you know, went to Florida. Uh, almost 2 million people from New York also. Meanwhile, DeSantis brought in 60 to $80 billion of new revenue and uh, increased the tax base, increased revenue from companies, has uh, protected children, protect women's sports, has done all the things that, that Republicans are supposed to stand for. And simultaneously, while he's standing up for the conservative values, has grown his popularity from a barely win to almost 20 points. That's unique. He's the only person who's done something like that. And for those people who say, oh, this guy doesn't have a personality, this guy's 
to to Volcanian. Look at what he's done to attract people to his cause. That's what we need. We need to grow this party. We need to attract people and, and get back to the days where we dominate politics, not where we're just eking a by by electoral votes. That's well said. Congressman, it's always good to talk to you. My best to your family as well. And at some point, we got to get back together in person. I would be honored, sir. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Congressman Rich McCormick, 6th Congressional District in Georgia. He'll be with me at the gathering in August uh, in Atlanta. Right now, before I go to break, my son's gaming PC from Vision Computer is coming in. Uh, Let me tell you about this process. And if you have a business or just a family need, you can do the same thing with Vision. I called them and I said, here's what my son wants. Uh, and they told me this is what we think he'll need. We got to pick out the case and the number of monitors and, and some of the stuff I just didn't know. Like I, I'm, I use mostly Macs now and he really wants a gaming PC. So they're like, here's what we recommend based on what you're telling us you want. You can do that with a computer, with a company. If you've got multiple employees and you need computers and you can't afford an in-house IT shop, let vision take care of you. If you're a family they can take care of you as well. Get you what you need. Your kid's headed off to college. You want to buy something that's going to last multiple years and not have to keep worrying about it? Let Vision take care of you. Sit down with them. Tell them what you need. Tell them what you want. Rely on them for recommendations. If you go to visioncomputers.com, you can get their info, but also you can call them 404-COMPUTE. Now, here's the other genius part of this. You get tech support from them. You buy your computer from them, you get tech support from them. So if you're a company, you're buying a bunch of computers for your employees, Vision will be your IT department. They'll help you. They can remote in and help you with email, with printers, you name it. And they actually answer the phone. You don't go through like the the auto chain hell of push this, push this, now push this. Reach out to Vision Computer, 404-COMPUTE. Ask for the Eric Erickson special. You won't find it on their website. 404-COMPUTE, anywhere nationwide, 404-COMPUTE. Let Vision Computer take care of your computer needs. Hello, welcome back. If I can remember to push the button, turn the mic on. (laughs) I'm new here. (laughs) All right, I want to go to the phones. Deborah is calling. Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show, Deborah. Hey, Eric, how are you today? Good. I want you to want you to know that there's a story now trending on Fox News and other sites that Target is holding an emergency meeting over LGBTQ merchandise in some stores to avoid Bud Light situation. Yeah, so I'm, I'm locations. They are moving pride displays away from storefronts in some southern locations. Yes, I actually I'm seeing that story right now that they are trying to avoid a Bud Light situation. And let's just let let's be honest here. And Deborah, thank thank you for that update. Um, there are some ports of the country where people totally fine. It's the one size fits all problem. I mean, there are parts of Metro Atlanta, Georgia, where I am where this would be a run-of-the-mill and innocuous, but there are parts of that state where it won't go over well, parts of Florida, parts of parts of uh, various parts of this country, where it just, it, it's going to be considered offensive, particularly having, like, Satanists designing the merchandise. And if you're just tuning in, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Target has contracted with a company out of the U.K. that celebrates Satanism, whose owner identifies as a gay trans male. That is a woman who likes men but identifies herself as a man, if that's not the most screwed up thing you've ever heard. And this person celebrates Satanism and makes a bunch of merchandise celebrating Satan. And Target has decided to use this company to make its pride material. 
you know, as an aside, I do know people who identify as gay Christians. And and they go to church. Usually they're Episcopal or Methodist, but they go to church. They say they believe in Jesus. It's got to offend those people as well that Target is using a Satanist celebrating company. I mean, Satan is kind of like the bad guy in Christianity. And Target has chosen this company to make its pride apparel. Yeah, damage control is probably good, Target. You have a lot of people deeply offended. Remember what happened after your bathroom situation, Target, when you decided that men could use the girls' bathroom and you accused people of being bigots if they disagreed? Your store sales fell by double-digit percentages. And you said, oh, it was the economy. It wasn't really a boycott, but everybody knew it was actually a boycott. You got problems going down this road. Now, when we come back, uh, I actually have sources, unlike Tara Palmieri at Puck News, who just make stuff up about uh, various presidential campaigns. The DeSantis campaign gets closer and closer, according to press reports. They think he may announce tomorrow or Thursday. I have some of the skinny on what is expected to go down over the next couple of weeks as this campaign goes forward to kind of dispel some of the media narrative.